You're listening to Back to the Light with J.D. Rieger, The Ultimate Span. Hey, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of Back to the Light. I am J.D. Rieger, and I can barely contain my excitement about this week's guest, comedian, actor, and now musician, John Daly. You have seen him on TV, on Kroll Show, and Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Parks and Rec. You've heard his voice in Big Mouth and Bob's Burgers and tons of animated shows, and seen him in movies like The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, Zoolander 2, and A Futile and Stupid Gesture, which we discuss in the show. As for me, I've been a huge fan of his since hearing him on an episode of Comedy Bang Bang in 2013. I looked it up. The episode was called The Peppermint, and I think I probably picked it because the other guest was Zach Galifianakis. But John came on with this ridiculous bit about the Red Hot Chili Peppers fan club and completely stole the show. I was on the clock at Shangri-La Records at the time, and I remember laughing so much that my boss had to come out from the back just to see what the hell was going on. And shortly thereafter, a no podcasts in the store policy was instituted. Anyway, I've followed and been a fan of his work ever since, and it was a total honor to have him on this show. You can find and follow him on Twitter at John Daly, J-O-N-D-A-L-Y, at John Daly Graham on Instagram or on his YouTube channel. One quick note, the person that we're talking about named Billy Jean that you can't see because this is a podcast is actually his dog. Here's my conversation with John Daly. Oh, what's up? <laughs> uh, her name is Billy Jean, so that's nice. Oh, that's um, that's my grandmother's name. Really, Billy Jean? Yeah, Billie I love Jean that Campbell. name. I mean, obviously, but uh, yeah, that's cool. She hated it when the Michael Jackson song came out. Like she, oh right, completely hated it. Well, she's named Billy Jean Queen after Billy Jean King. Oh, that's but cool. Also, I love the Michael Jackson song. I mean, so that is that is part of it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Before we get started into this, do you mind if if I just ask, uh, you mentioned it via email that you recently had COVID. Um, I assume you're doing fine. How serious was your case of it? Um, it wasn't like the, it, I didn't get like the lightest brand of COVID, but I didn't get the heaviest, you know. Um, I definitely like felt after effects for months, months and still feel like my taste isn't like up to snuff a little bit like tasting things isn't like the same a little bit um and they say it takes like six months to totally clear out of your system so hopefully that you know happens and i don't just have dull taste for the rest of my life but if that's the only thing that happens it's not like the worst thing in the world um but uh yeah, it sucked. I mean, for a week, it was very hard, but it was like having the flu, which I've had before. It, was, it wasn't even the worst flu that I've had. What really sucks is like the after effects, you know, like it kind of just obviously lingers. That's the main thing. It like, have you had it? I don't know for sure. I got really, really sick in March, but it was impossible for me to get tested at that point. So I think I may have had it, but I could have just had a really bad flu. Did you lose your taste and smell? I did not. You didn't. Okay. Well, some people with COVID don't. Setting that aside, I've talked to a lot of musicians on the show who've had like tours and albums canceled and postponed because of the pandemic. As an actor and comedian, have you had a bunch of stuff canceled as well? Um, yeah, I've had, a uh, you know, all my 2020 shows were canceled and um, yeah, I, I don't know when live stuff I'd love to live perform, um, you know, obviously. And I had a tour schedule that was going to do South by Southwest and then do a tour off of that around the South and stuff. And I was really psyched for that. And basically like I went on my first tour kind of ever. Um, I've like toured with bands and stuff, but it's never been like my main thing. 
um, with music at least. And um, so, yeah, I went uh, and did this like very short three city tour and it was so fun and it was great. So I was really looking forward to it, but obviously, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, my tour booker said that it might be like a 2022 thing, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, it really, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Had a bunch and, you know, as an actor, obviously like everything kind of stopped last year. I mean, there was definitely some stuff going on and I did, some work, but it was not like, it didn't feel like a real year of stuff, obviously. Are you able to do things like remotely? Do you have like a home set up for doing like voiceover stuff or do you have, or do you have to go into a studio to do that? Yeah. I mean, this is kind of, it's, it's like I've, I've, um, yeah, I do a lot of cartoons and, so I can do that for my house and that is great. I kind of like would rather for stuff like that. I, I actually enjoy going somewhere so much now that it's COVID. Like I really, and now that I've had COVID, honestly, like I've been just saying yes to going to studios and being like, okay, well I'm, I'm non-transmissible so I can't give it to anybody and I'm not going to get it. So it's pretty okay to go to a studio um, and that has been really the only time when I'm like, oh, wow, I'm waking up in the morning and going to work. What a good feeling. <laughs> like, Besides a couple like odd days or like three day periods last year where I actually had jobs that I went to, like, it's been nice to just go into studios and be like, oh, hey, what's up? How are you? Like, people are here. It's nice. Because um, the main thing is like not interacting not having to like show up and interact with people is horrible. Uh, for sure. Yeah. As a musician, uh, it's been kind of brutal not being able to just have band practices or play even, you know, stupid shows that nobody goes to. I, I would play one of those right now. Yeah. I mean, I play, I've been doing like some stuff live streaming and I'm going to start doing more of that. And I'm doing this, um, I did a pilot for this <laughs> podcast I'm doing where I'm Frasier, um, doing like the show within the show of Frasier. And so, yeah, hopefully that will, we'll be able to do that more of that. And we built a whole studio of, uh, Frasier's like, of Frasier's, um, you know, Seattle radio station. So I'm kind of doing the show within the show of Frasier, like taking, psychology questions um so that's, that's been really fun um that's pretty great i'm actually a pretty big um fraser fan i guess um yeah i mean fraser's great yeah you're just going to be doing the radio show that's 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 your that's your show idea well i do yeah i mean it's i do a kind of like five minute monologue as Kelsey Grammer to introduce it about current events and kind of from, from his point of view, which is the point of view of a very famous conservative person. And that is really fun. And then I have a guest who is Roz. Every guest, male or female is Roz. And the guest actually screens calls and says like, here's Jimmy from San Diego or whatever. And, uh, so that's fun. And yeah, we genuinely try and I'm Frazier and we genuinely try to help people just like Frazier does on the show. So, um, yeah, it ends up being kind of like love line, but you're talking to Frazier. <laughs> is that going to be an earwolf show or is that going to be somewhere else? Um, I made it, um, with Starburns, and, uh, yeah, we're going to try and we're pitching it to like streaming things. Oh, okay. I really don't know how to, how that works, but it's we'll have it'll we're figuring it out. It's a new frontier. You know, we we're doing this because of our mutual friend Matt Jensik. Um, I'm curious, is you yeah. know Matt because your your brother played in bands with him? Is that right? Yeah, I know Matt uh, because my brother Matt played in a band called Hurl, and then a band called Taking Pictures, which Hurl became um, uh, with Matt and. Um, yeah, he was my older brother, so I definitely like, yeah, um, 
grew up kind of going to his shows and um, in the kind of like Pittsburgh, kind of like in that Pittsburgh scene, um, trying to like, I was like 15 and going to parties in that scene, kind of getting drunk off my ass and not knowing like how to behave. And, you know, everybody was very tolerant of me, which I appreciated. Um, but yeah, I grew up, you know, not in bands, but like trying to, I guess, vaguely thought that scene was kind of cool. And I thought like those guys were my heroes, basically, <laughs> you know. Did you ever have any ambition to play in punk rock bands yourself? Um, I didn't really, no. I did. I played saxophone in school and like kept playing and still play, obviously. And, but I never like was like, oh yeah, I'll be like in a band. I was more, I'm going to be an actor um, and do comedy. But, but now I am doing music. I've, I've always kind of like written songs and done music for things and parodies and stuff. So it's been an interest of mine since I started doing comedy, but I've never like put out a record until this one, um, which comes out hopefully later this year. Do you think, uh, I mean, I'm just curious, what do you think led you to choose like a comedy acting career initially over music since you were so involved in that scene? Um, I don't know. I always was really into comedy. That's why. I mean, I just loved comedy. I like it just hit me really hard and I loved it and sought it out more than like at first. Yeah, definitely like more than interesting music, you know, like all my first tapes were that I bought were Bill Cosby, unfortunately, and I was really into Eddie Murphy I got into Steve Martin. I was really into like Saturday Night Live, Phil Hartman, John Lovitz, Chris Farley, all that stuff. And and watching even bad, like I would watch bad stuff and good stuff. And that was always like my, and I ended up liking like Frank Zappa, like music that had comedy in it. Like Frank Zappa, like I didn't really get like I got, he was like making fun of jocks or something like that. And I thought that was cool. I thought that was funny. And he was really funny and incisive with his lyrics. And when I was in eighth grade, that was, that was my, you know, my deal. I was into that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, um, I really got into music. I kind of like, was like, I'm not like a punk rocker. You know, but what am I wanted to do something? I knew I could, I, I knew I wanted to be an entertainer. And I started doing, I mean, I started doing improv really in high school. That was, that was what got me into comedy. Like, oh, I can do this, you know? And um, then I started doing stand up and, you know, got more into improv in, in New York and, started doing like characters on stage and stuff. And uh, yeah, that was pretty, pretty much it. The trajectory. At, at what point in that process do you decide that you've got to leave uh, Pittsburgh in order to do something? Um, I think, you know, it seemed like the, it didn't seem like Pittsburgh was the place to be if you wanted to be an actor then I think it's changed a lot. Like you can be an actor there in a more significant way, but it didn't seem like it had anything going on beyond stuff like, you know, the public theater and this thing, Friday night improvs that I did, which I still go back and do sometimes. And, um, They've got a great theater there called the Arcade Theater that I go back and do stuff at once in a while. And uh, yeah, it just seemed like to do that, you had to move to New York. Everybody I knew said that. And so I did it. And how how long were you in New York? You're, you're based out of L.A. now, though, right? Yeah, I was in New York for about 10 years. 
Were you involved with UCB in New York or was that in LA or both? Um, New York and LA. Um, yeah, I started taking classes in New York and kind of like got put on a team. And then I started like writing shows there and kind of, um, you know, they, I think they expanded to LA in like 2006 and had a theater, um, on Franklin street up here. Um, and I moved here in 2008. So, so yeah, like 2006, I think they started their thing out here and like every, there was like a mass exodus of New York people moving out here. So I kind of like moved out here. It seems like everyone finds their way there eventually in show business. It seems like that is the trajectory. Yeah, I feel like it kind of like comes in waves, but there's definitely like a lot of people are like, yeah, a lot of people come out here. Definitely. In that realm, do you consider, I guess, like human giant, do you consider that to be your big break into TV and film? Or was there something before that that I'm missing? Um, human giant. I, I did a thing on there where I, I go room room on this sketch, but I don't think that was my break, but, um, I don't know. I did a couple things and I mean, Kroll show was my break probably. And before that I did some odds and ends things. Like I did this movie bride wars randomly and like law and order and stuff. And there was some stuff where I was like, Oh wow. I'm like, I can do this. Like I'm working as an actor and it's going well, but I didn't really start working consistent consistently until after crawl show. Probably speaking of crawl show, I guess, uh, I mean, I guess you have to be proud of that show's three year run. Um, I'm a, what was the inspiration behind maybe? Yeah. You want your most famous character on the show would be the rich dicks. Was that based on anyone in particular? Um, it was just based on rich dicks that I knew growing up and, um, and that Nick knew growing up and just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't really know. I mean, it's based on like, just me and Nick, like doing that bit kind of, you know, like, um, and those voices, I mean, I felt like I was doing a version of like, um, Blaine, not Blaine, but, um, uh, James Spader and pretty in pink. That was kind of my influence for that. Like he's always like, Blaine, what are you doing? That girl is always and oh, is, was, and always will be nada. <laughs> like that kind of thing. So, um, that guy in that kind of like that, that performance, that, that date, James Spader performance always stood out to me. And, um, I, th- I forget his name in that movie, but it was like, it wasn't Wendy, but he had, it was like, it was like Linda. Like his name was a girl's name. I think maybe I'm wrong. I might be wrong about that. I don't know. I might be, get, I might have COVID brain, honestly, and be getting things wrong. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that was part of it. And just like the funniness of like guys like that, like who are like, yeah, I feel like I knew people like that in New York who were just like, I'm an artist now, you know, <laughs> just like rich people who were like, I'm just going to do the cool thing. And that's what I am. Um, and just kind of things like that. Yeah, just making fun of stuff like that. When you're creating a character like that, like how early in the process do you realize uh, th- this is something we're probably going to do more than once? Um, I don't know uh, when it works out. I think it works out. Yeah. It's like comedies. It's just the same as like doing a joke in a standup set. It's like, Oh wow, this works. You know, I can, I can do this. So it's, it's pretty instant. I would say like, Oh, I'll do this again. Is just basically like, Oh, I had success once. So I'll kind of try this again. And it usually works. If it, if it works once, it usually works again. So there's no like lightning in the bottle, like inspiration before you do it moment of like, 
this this is going to be huge. Like <laughs> Rich Dix is going all the way to the top. I don't know. Did it? Um, it's, uh, it's, um, you know, I loved doing it and that helps. And then, you know, uh, it was ideal to film, you know, it's like, ideally it's, it felt like on stage it was one thing, but like, we were like very excited to film something with it. Um, and so we did like a, you know, video for it and started that, started it that way. And, yeah, like with anything, it's like, oh, this feels good. You know, it's really funny. People like it and it feels like a world and it feels like there are jokes in it. It's like all the things kind of lining up and feeling right. And then you can kind of keep expanding it and writing it out. Do you think you'll ever revisit those characters? Um, I would love to. Yeah, I, I love those characters. Um, I... Uh, yeah, maybe we'll do a, a movie at some point. Well, t- tell me more about this comedy album that you have made. Um, you said, I mean, I assume that it's been delayed because of the pandemic. You have you have no idea um, about when that thing's going to come out? Hopefully later this year. Um, uh, you know, uh, maybe uh, July or August, um, hopefully. But... Yeah, I don't really know. So, yeah, Um, but I'm continuously writing songs and we've got it all there, I think. But I'm trying to just write songs and beat my old songs and stuff and make videos. And um, yeah, so it's uh, it's all music and um, it is all very stupid and ridiculous. So (laughs) it's going to be great. (laughs) Do you record this stuff? I mean, do you write and record this stuff at home? Do you do it in the studio? Is it, are you working on it by yourself or? I record with my, uh, my producer is named Cyrus Garameni and, um, I record with him and then I've been recording with, uh, uh, my buddy Joe Wong, um, who is a genius and, um, was in a band in New York called parts and labor um, for a, a while and now is a Hollywood, uh, film and TV sco- does scoring for film and TV and is, is great, lives in Pasadena and has a great studio and he's a genius and knows so many musicians. And so he's been great to, uh, record with too. And then I do my own, I'm learning how to produce. So I've just produced my own song and it's very dumb, like all of my songs. And um, I might do, I'm going to do a video for it on TikTok and put it out because that's the future. Seems like it. Seems like it. Yeah. Do you write? I mean, do you compose on guitar? Do you write on a keyboard? Do you write on the saxophone? How does that work? Um, I've actually played, I've learned how to play guitar during this pandemic. Um, so now I can play like pretty serviceable guitar. And I'm very proud of myself for learning that. Um, but I just kind of think of it, you know, I, I've always kind of like thought of little songs and had little hooks in my mind. And yeah, I mean, I do. Yeah. So I would just kind of like come up with melodies and half ideas for songs and whole ideas for songs and send them as voice memos to Cyrus and Cyrus, uh, is a genius. And he would just go like, yeah, this could be this, or this could be this, or, or he would just put it to a certain amount of music and I'd be like, okay, we got to do that. That's awesome. Or, or whatever. So it's really collaborative. Um, and, um, hopefully my goal is to make, you know, funny songs that are good, you know, good pop songs that hold up as songs and aren't just, aren't just like jokes. Time out. Before we get back to John Daly, I need to ask you to check out patreon.com slash JD Rieger. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash J-D-R-E-A-G-E-R and become a supporter of me and Back to the Light. Subscribers to the Patreon page get ad-free versions of this show, exclusive music content, and more. Also, if you're looking for other ways to help out, you can subscribe to the podcast, share us on social media, or simply send a link to the show to someone who might like to hear it. Everything helps. That's backtothelight.net. Thank you in advance. And now, the ad. 
just heard The Snowman 2017, a recent single by John Daly, which has been stuck in my head for at least a week and we are just about to discuss. So let's get back to the conversation. I was looking up uh, your uh, YouTube page and listening through your songs this week to get ready for this. And I've got to tell you, The Snowman is an infection. It's it's brutally catchy, actually. Yeah, some of my songs are brutal. I, I think brutally catchy is a good way to put all my music. That's what I should call my album. Brutally catchy. Cause all my songs are like, man, that's it's, it's, and I kind of like had that in mind, like, Oh, this is kind of an earworm, you know, like feeling. Um, but that song in particular was just like, I was based on me watching that movie when it came out. I went to see it with my friend, Scott Gardner in the morning, like it was a more, we were writing together and we were just like, oh, let's go see a movie. And we saw the snowman at like 11 a.m. And we were just like, oh my God, this is, this movie is horrible. Wow. And so, so yeah, I think that, um, that just became like, I like, it'd be funny to just like do a song as a tribute to this terrible movie, but but make it kind of Christmas. The idea of that song is that it's a, it's a three month song because it, it spans Halloween and Christmas because it's spooky, but it's a snowman. So it's a spooky snowman. So that's money in the bank for me, you know, just like you can ride that. I can put it out on Thanksgiving day and people are like, yeah, cause he spammed it. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I'm trying to come up with more songs that just combine American holidays, you know, <laughs> President's Day all the way to or, or maybe New Year's Day. That's a, a fucking holiday now. So New Year's Day and then New Year's Eve. It's that's the ultimate span. Get every holiday in there. Easter, Hanukkah, Christmas, President's Day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. It'll be like. It'll be like the Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire of Holidays. I think Ultimate Spans might be another good choice for the title. Um, Ultimate Spans, brutally catchy. Did you have to get permission from the Frosty people? Yeah, and it's tough when you're dealing with Big Frosty. 
Um, <laughs> they definitely have, they're a really powerful entity. And, you know, once you think you're onto them, they melt. And then it's <laughs> next year that before you can see them again. And obviously their noses are edible so they can change their appearance it's disgusting what they do, but you know, they're in control. So you got to kowtow, got to kiss the ring. And the magic is year round. Um, oh yeah. In all seriousness about that song, there, um, there's something about uh, that. I think this applies to most of your comedy, but I think it's really emblematic in this song and a sort of, I don't know if self-confidence is the right word, but just a freedom, a sense of freedom that you have to just indulge you know, seemingly any ridiculous idea like a song, you know, putting your head on a snowman and singing a song about a movie that very few people have seen. And I, I'm sorry if this is like a huge question, but you know, how do you, I'm just curious how, how artists find that place of like freedom and confidence to just throw something out there like that. Well, I mean, that's the secret sauce that leads to the big bucks. And, you know, like, I can't reveal that right now, you know, because the snowman is just such a money train for me. Um, I uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, um, I don't know. Like, uh, that's interesting. I think, um, you know, would it be a good, it's just like, would it be a good idea to do this? Let's see if it works kind of feeling. And uh, you just got to, you know, commit to something a hundred percent and put it out. I think that's my thing with music is like, I've never done this before. I have no idea what's going to work. Truly. I have no idea. And, <clears throat> you know, I've also done some stuff that's like pretty sincere, like the profile picture video and song is, you know, pretty, pretty much a straight up song. It's kind of funny and the video is funny, but it's, it's pretty heartfelt. And that was definitely like, shit I was feeling dating online and all that stuff and kind of being in the hell of that. And then, um, yeah, I guess it just depends on, I mean, part of it is like, yeah, it's like, can I make this funny? Will this be funny? And will it be a good song? And will it be mind blowing in some way? And, or like different in some way. And as far as the snowman song, I guess that the difference was that it just goes into the technical, like the, the plot of the movie and like kind of reveals how stupid it is, but is also celebrating it. I like things that are like celebrating um, really specific things, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really like, it's really like just thinking like, is it funny? And like, is it memorable in some way besides being funny? Like, is it like a, a comment, even if the comment is, is, has quotations on it? Like, obviously that's not a comment on anything real, but it's basically going like, you know, I have a song called Addicted to Computers that's coming out. And it's like about how I'm addicted to computers <laughs> and it's both the dumbest song I've ever written or heard and a real comment and a heartfelt thing about how my life is like, I I'm, it bums me out sometimes. It genuinely bums me out about how into this computer shit we all have to be and connected to our phones and all that stuff. But again, when you hear the song, you'll be like, what? <laughs> um, but there is some part of it. That's, that's definitely heartfelt. Like, um, though that might not be evident right away. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it was training in improv or stand up that like that kind of beats that worry about seeming silly out of you? No, I mean, seeming silly isn't, I mean, I think like childhood beats that out of you kind of <laughs> more. Um, it's, uh, I think improv is very good training and acting training for just kind of like improv is definitely like good training and writing when it comes to like going with ideas and seeing how they pan out. So that could be true of music too. It's like, 
when you're writing a song, it's kind of a journey and you're seeing where it takes you. And sometimes it, sometimes it takes you nowhere and it sucks, but you have to finish it to know that. Obviously with songwriting, I'm sure, you know, it's like you have to follow it and finish it. And maybe it'll be a piece of crap. Like every band, what I've realized is talking to musicians is every band has songs that are just like purely embarrassing. Even the coolest bands in the whole world have songs that are just like, what were we thinking? And it's because you have to be in the moment with your songs and can really commit to being in the moment with them and pushing them through the pushing all the ideas through and really blowing them out and all the musical and intellectual ideas for lack of a better word. Um, but yeah, I've, I've realized like there's just no way to tell. And it, it, it feels new, this feeling of kind of like, wow, there's just no way to tell <clears throat> this might be good. It might be totally embarrassing, but you know, being an actor is partly is, very embarrassing. <laughs> you know, it's like you have to do things that are kind of like, whoa, like, or you'll be in a movie. And also, like, movies or TV shows, like, people, you know, you nobody goes into something and is like, this, this isn't good. You know, why am I doing this? It's like, I release something, I think it's good, you know, but um, I'm a silly person. Maybe I'm a silly person. So, I have confidence in my silliness. I first became aware of you, or maybe not first, but I, I became a really big fan because of your appearances on Comedy Bang Bang. And, um, oh, thank you. Yeah. And I'm, I remember one in particular, the, the Peppermint uh, bit. Is that yeah. what kind of started? Is that what kind of started your musical comedy journey, that, that bit there? Yeah, I mean that and making the the Lil Xan thing was the first time I was like, oh, I should do like do music in some way, you know? And because I'm good at this and Cyrus is such a good partner and he can make like parody and original stuff happen and um so that was like my partnership with Cyrus and just like, yeah, you know, I'll try this and see what happens and then and then over quarantine, I got a uh, record deal. And so I've just been with Northern Spy. And so I've been like making the official record. So that's like a different level, but for me, but, um, but yeah, I think that pretty much that definitely started it. Are you actually a big, are you a Chili Peppers fan or, or do you feel like, the, or are you just kind of poking fun? Um, no, I'm a Chili Peppers fan. I mean, I feel like everybody feels about them. But I was really like when Mother's Milk came out, I think I was in like seventh grade and I loved it. You know, my brother, my brother loved it. And then I remember being on listening to like Blood Sugar Sex Magic. And I mean, I love it. I still love it. It's really good, you know, but, you know, they're just the only crime that they committed is just being a really successful band, you know, and like having to crank out some stuff and maybe singing about California a little bit too much. And, you know, it's easy to make fun of Kiedis, but the fact is he's got something that's really cool. He's cool. You know, he's good. He's like funny and, you know, he's dope. I don't know. The peppers rule. I didn't ask the question out of any hate for the peppers necessarily. Uh, what I was actually sort of trying to get at was it seems like a lot of your comedy, even when you're poking fun at things still comes from a place of genuine love for that thing at the same time. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I do, I wouldn't have been able to make the pepper song without loving the peppers because I never would have like been inside their music and like realize what kind of makes it tick, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm totally like, I love all the styles that, you know, if I'm doing a style, it's probably because I love that style. Um, the challenge has been like coming up with my own style, which for this first album, I think I've done some of, 
which is insane. And I love, um, there's definitely some songs that are like, this is a country song, you know, and it's a comedy song and this is what it is. But I've definitely like felt like, Oh, okay. Like as a musician, like coming up with stuff like this is somewhat, at least somewhat of a style. Dare I say, I mean, it's kind of like something I don't want to say really publicly, but you understand. Is is the same true of uh, Papa John's Misty? Does that come from a place of love also? I mean, in that, do I like the music of Father John Misty? I do. Yeah. I mean, I liked him. That came from literally being like, we're like singing with my girlfriend and imitating him because we were listening <laughs> to his fucking music so much. And I'd just be like, I'm Papa John's Misty. And, you know, like making fun of him. But at the same time, like that shit is good. And that guy can sing and write songs. He's like, good. And when that first record came out, I was like, shit, this is my shit. I love this, you know? And I think he's, yeah, it's like, what if it was Papa John's, you know? So that that song came from being, I think, able to do a serviceable Father John Misty impression. And that's literally all. Like, I was like, oh, wow, I can do an impression. What if it's Papa John's? <laughs> and it's all about pizza. Speaking of impressions, I recently watched uh, in the last six months the movie A Feudal and Stupid Gesture in which you play Bill Murray. And I'm curious, did yeah. you get that part because you do such a solid Bill Murray or did you develop that for the movie? Um, I developed it for the movie. I, I kind of, uh, um, yeah, I never thought of like doing a Bill, a Bill Murray impression, honestly. Um, That's but, interesting. Uh, I, I had the, got that role and, you know, did a good enough impression of the, what I was doing for the audition and stuff was more like doing impressions of his characters in the old radio show, the national lampoon radio show that he did. And then, and then the part kind of got expanded and, um, and I ended up doing like my impression of, him doing um, his lounge singer character, Nick Valentine, I think the name is. Um, but basically, I just watched. It was great. I mean, I got to watch everything that he's ever done for that movie. You know, I just watched every single thing. I listened to his National Lampoon sketches, watched his thing. And I mean, imitating him is just kind of like doing this like Chicago, a little bit of a Chicago kind of thing, I think. Like, there's a Chicago element that you had to get right. But other than that, it's like, yeah, I was just kind of imitating his movies, honestly. Yeah. Did you get to talk to him or hang out with him or anything like that before doing it or afterwards <laughs> even? No, no, no. I mean, I, I like, you know, no. So you don't know if he thinks you did a good impression or anything like that? I have no idea. I'm sure he's not even aware of it, you know. Um, but if he is, um, you know, when somebody imitates you, you could, it goes one of two ways, <laughs> you know, if somebody imitated me, I'd be like, even if, even if it was really good, I'd, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not a good feeling necessarily. So, and also like, yeah, I mean, it's his life, you know? So it's like the movie is about his dead friend. So, you know, yeah. someone made a movie about my dead friend. I there's, it's very difficult to say like, Oh, I could watch that and be like, not pissed off. You know, I think I'd be like, they're not going to get everything right. And you're not going to feel good about it eventually, you know? But I feel like that's, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's, that's a great movie. I love it. And um, David Wayne did an amazing job and Colton and Abu did an amazing job with the script and Will Forte is brilliant. And I'm just saying, like, if I was actually Chevy Chase and saw and knew what my life was and saw it dramatized, I'd be like, oh, man, you know, it's just hard to it's hard to swallow. I was actually going to ask if there was any added pressure in playing one of the living members of the cast. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're. 
I don't know. It, I, I don't know if there was added pressure, but uh, I was definitely like, well, I guess I'll never work with Bill Murray. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever, you know. <laughs> Check that off the list, you know. Possibly. Hey, look, I'm always open to working <laughs> with Bill Murray. But yeah, I'll, I'll pass it along. You have, of course, worked with another like all-time comedy legend, though, as you were in the last season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about working on that show? Yeah, I mean, that was a dream. It's like a dream come true. It's like, you know, it's like the best comedy show of all time. And I, I genuinely believe that, like, that season is amazing, too, like, it's really solid. And so it felt like it felt like when I was doing it, it just felt like season one, like they were having fun. And I knew um, Jeff Schaefer and Jeff Garland a little bit um, Garland a little bit from, I did a pilot with Jeff Schaefer and I knew Jeff Garland from like comedy shows and stuff. And so I auditioned for the role and they were very cool. And um, yeah. And then, I kind of had it a, like I thought that I had it figured out um, and what I was going to do. And I had some like lines in my head and I ended up saying none of them because it really is, you know, you can do what you think is, you know, you have to just play and you have to play with the funniest person in the world. So you come in and just like Larry David, I mean, you know, there's a part in the scene that the first scene I did with Larry was, you know, he hugs me in the scene. And when he hugs me, he just found out he had got, he, he gets, he's on the phone with his doctor and he goes, what, what? And he finds out that he doesn't have cancer. And so he's happy as super happy. And so he hugs me, but when he hugs me, he's going, Oh, Oh, and so he comes up and, goes, oh! and you know, it was just the funniest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And it was like living inside a dream. So it's like, uh, that was definitely like a peak moment and working with Ted Danson too. I mean, yeah. Amazing, amazing stuff. How many times do you run through a scene like that when you're on set? Is it, uh, is it a lot or does, does he pretty much just get what he wants straight away? No, you do it a few times and you come, you've, discover things along the way. It's truly improv improvised, even though there's a really tight, um, there's a really tight, uh, script and where, you know, where you need to go. Like it truly is like, you know, I'll say something different and he'll go, Oh yeah, do that again. Do that again. You know, something like that. So, so yeah, it's definitely, uh, maybe a little bit of a, it doesn't feel longer because you're, but it might be like a little bit until, you know, and Jeff, the director will come up and kind of go like, all right, do this, do this. Or like surprise him with this, surprise him with this fact, you know, we'll see if this works. And, and that's it. And then you kind of go, all right, we got it. You know, <laughs> after a while. Any idea if you'll be uh, if you'll be back for season eleven? Should there be one? I guess. Um, I think they're doing one. I don't know that I'm back. I don't. I think the there's a diff. They like to switch up the uh, postman. If there's a postman in the season, they like to switch it up every time. So I may not be sure. back with, and I'm fine with that. I had a wonderful time. Um. I had a wonderful time talking to you. Um, that was I, really so what a transition. Yeah, I know. I, I felt ridiculous making that transition, even as I was making it. Um, I wanted to ask you, though, like before we go, like what your outlook, you said you were hoping to maybe get, you're looking to do like a music tour in 2022. Yeah, I mean, hopefully I wanted to like spend, because Typically, December's pretty open, like around Christmas. Like, I usually don't have like a huge amount of stuff to do around then. So, like, I wanted to do like two weeks, like take December and do a whole tour. But I don't, I don't even know. I don't want to. It's so de deeply depressing. 
<laughs> I'm sure you feel the same. You know, it's like it sucks. So I just don't even want to speculate on what it could be, you know. But watch out if John Daly might be coming to your town soon. Do you think you'd be touring with a band or you'd be playing solo? How would that work? I, I tour solo. Um, I've, I've got all my stuff. It's just me and a sax. And I have tour video. You know, I have a video for all my songs that play. I have a visual setup, and I, um, I play songs and I usually open up for myself as a character and have a whole kind of PowerPoint idiotic thing that I do. And I introduce myself as the musician, John Daly, and it's very stupid and fun. And then I have a local, I would love to go on tour with somebody, but I usually have a local comp comic or something like that. But yeah, I went on tour with the band. I opened up for a band uh, for Man Man um, last year, early last year. And that was a fucking blast. Um, and I, I loved that, but yeah, it's pretty much me solo driving around. Well, God willing, I hope I get to see you in Chicago when that, when that comes around, whenever that is. Totally. Oh man. Hopefully soon. Yeah. I honestly, like, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. It was really a blast to, to meet you and, uh, talk and uh yeah i hope uh i hope we get to do it again sometime or meet meet someday yeah if i'm in chicago if you're in los angeles let me know and if i'm in chicago i'll definitely be hanging with or trying to hang with matt J. um but uh cool and uh really sorry about the fucking delay but uh yeah i think it'll be good um yeah well thanks for having me man that's the show thank you to my guest john daly Now that we're through it, I'm happy to admit that I've never been as starstruck for an interview as I was for this one. It's a weird thing, talking to people you admire for the first time. Thank you to Arthur with two H's for the opening theme. Thank you to Joey Pegram for the closing theme. Thank you, as always, for listening. And until the next one, take care, y'all. of the Back to the Light podcast network at backtothelight.net.